0: And uh, it was the beginning of the autumn that we got into Ephesians 6 and began to look at Christian warfare, often called spiritual warfare. But um, it's, it's, not just, it's not just, you know, it's not unreal warfare, it's real warfare. So I, I beg the question of spirit, the word spiritual because it makes us think it's mystical and unreal. Um, and uh, we're now almost getting towards the end of uh, Ephesians 6. But we have a few more weeks to go. Today we're looking at the last of things that are pictured to us as armour or weapons for, of God for us to put on. So that we are strong in the Lord and stand in the day of evil. And after that, in a week or two's time, we need to look at prayer. Where there isn't a simile, a comparison given for that. But that's, it's part of the, the battle. Very much part of how we uh, progress as Christians. And it completes the passage. So... We're going to read the scripture again together. You you should have memorized these these verses by now. We've gone through them week by week. Next week, uh, Jack will be preaching, by the way. Is that encouraging, Jack? (laughs) (laughs) Father, thank you for your word. Your words give life. Your words give light. Think of David writing that long psalm where he rejoiced in your word and he didn't have much of it at all, really. Most of it was the law, but he delighted himself in your word. Now, Lord, we have the scriptures complete, delivered to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, sealed to us by God's promises and God's authority. We open our hearts again to receive the scriptures, your word of truth. Holy Spirit, inspire us to hear, to receive today, we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 6.10 Finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Yeah. And having prepared everything, take your stand. Stand therefore. How many times does he say stand? Come on. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, we looked at that last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. That's our subject today. And pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Please remember these items of armour and weaponry are the armour of God because the Old Testament prophets spoke of God himself wearing and using these items. On the one hand, as a a judge and others, as a saviour, a deliverer. He put on his blessed braid of righteousness to bring righteousness and salvation to us. Those things, of course, were fulfilled particularly in the Lord Jesus. Uh, For a comparison here, David couldn't wear Saul's armour. It didn't fit him. It wasn't right. But we need to put on... The armour of God. Remember two more things as well, please. This came to me just last night. What the Bible talks about our enemies, okay? This kind of visually puts it together. We have three main enemies, internal, external, and what we might say infernal, the devil. The flesh, the world, and the devil. Things that are in us, things that are in our godless fallen society, human society, and things that come from the enemy, with a capital E, the devil himself. But then within the things that are in us, the Bible talks about three particular things. The appetites of our body, the appetites of our... right. By the way, I'm using the word appetites instead of lust, because lust nowadays means just sexual. But when the Bible... Old well, King James says lust, it means appetites. Appetites of our eyes, we see and want... Covetousness, again, sexual attraction as well. The appetites of our eyes and the pride of our heart. The human heart, ego. How proud we are. What was the sin of Satan? Pride. What did he invoke in Adam and Eve? Pride. You could be like God. And so those three things all come into those things which we deal with, which are internal to us, which the Bible calls the flesh, and then the the world and the devil are external to us but provoke us and challenge us and come at us. Some of you are looking very down in the dumps right now. Okay. Um, (laughs) We'll get there. Then the other thing to remember is this. The battleground is not so much out there, it's in here. The battle takes place in our mind. In fact, contending with uh, the appetites of our body and the appetites of the eyes and, and, and human pride is the battle that happens up here because as Christians, I'm not saying for those who are not yet Christians, as Christians, we get to choose to decide whether to follow those appetites and instincts, whether to accept the pressure from the world, whether to accept the devil's lies. We are making choices about those things. Now, that does, I didn't let you off the hook there, did I? You know, do you accept that? Yes. I'm making a choice. I may feel under pressure, but there is never a point at which I have decided to, I'll go with the pressure and I'll give in. I'll submit to it. So today we come to today's piece of armor or weaponry, which we must put on and stand firm in this fight of faith. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I kind of like that picture. We've come back to it again. <laughs> Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The weapon of truth is Scripture. Yeah. Scripture. Not just words, but the Word of God, Scripture. We need to take a minute or two again to understand something about the doctrine of Scripture. Here's a key text on that. Let me just give you this headline first of all. Scripture is the Word of God, and Scripture is the sword of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit uses. In us and with us. 2 Timothy 3. You know those who taught you and you know that from childhood, this is Paul writing to Timothy, you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. God breathed it into being. The Holy Spirit inspired men who wrote, who spoke, and those things were recorded and became scripture. And all Scripture is also profitable for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Two statements there. Scripture is inspired by God the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is inspired. It comes to us not as the words of men, but as the word of God given through men. Who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And all Scripture is profitable to us. It does us good. And it's profitable to us, not just preachers, all believers. We can all profit from the Word. It doesn't have to be served up on a plate by a preacher. A writer called Andy Neseli summarizes it this way. The Bible is God's Word. God breathed, inerrant, without error, authoritative, Sufficient, it's enough for us, it's clear and it's necessary. But how do we handle and understand the scripture? Well, we take the plain sense of scripture wherever we can, allowing for the fact that some things are picture language. Some things are prophetic language, and some of that prophetic language is what we call apocalyptic. In other words, it's hidden it's behind pictures, and numbers, and beasts, and things which you know aren't literal. They've got to be interpreted. Yeah. Right. So we understand the genre, the character, the flavor of Scripture. But where we can, we take it at plain sense. We don't dig around it to find another meaning. We don't spiritualize it or allegorize it. All we check the uh, we Scripture interpret Scripture. That's that's that's. That was a foundational principle of the Reformation. Scripture interprets Scripture. The Pope, the church, does not interpret Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. So we check the context of Scripture. You take a verse out of context, you can make it mean almost anything. You check the context. You read around, up and down, to find out what the verse means. You then compare Scripture with Scripture. You find it, like we did last week, thinking about the hope of salvation. Why do you think I talked about hope? Because in Thessalonians, Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, but he talks about the hope of salvation. So that's the full aversion, that the two connect together. We interpret scripture by scripture, unlocking what is difficult by what is plainer elsewhere. Take the whole of scripture together on any subject, on hope or whatever. You can track it through. And if you've got... Bible software on your phone or whatever else, it's very easy to do, to to track a thought through, to to find a cross-reference, to find where something came from in the Old Testament. And then, having read and thought, we respond to God with faith and prayer and obedience. Most controversies between Christians and churches come back to our doctrine of Scripture, the way we handle Scripture. What does Scripture say? And I'll be prepared. To accept it. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. Scripture belongs to the Holy Spirit. It's never ours to do with as we please. That's the great mistake of the liberal approach to scripture. Uh, that, we, we, that People come and say, we can make of this what we will. We can, we can kind of leave bits out and, and choose not to accept some things and so on. If what Scripture doesn't suit us, we'll ignore it or change it. Some modern Bible translations actually do that. They, they make nonsense of the original plain sense of the, of the words in the original language. They turn them on their head because it doesn't suit modern prejudices. The power of Scripture is the power of God the Holy Spirit. It's His Word. It's His sword. When we reshape Scripture to our purposes, there is no power in what we've now made. If you abandon divine inspiration, accuracy, and application of scripture, you take the power away from the gospel. You've unplugged it from the power of God. A gospel which has been blunted in that way has no power to free and change anyone. So the church then, and this is characteristic of, you know, quite a bit of Christianity nowadays, the church then offers kindness, sympathy, and compassion, but can't deliver the life-changing gospel, life gospel, to bring freedom and life change. It's just, oh, they're there, they're there. Rather, come on, let's, let's get through this. Let's get some help here. What does the sword strike or cut? It's the sword of spirit, but what does it cut? Well, we don't use this sword to cut down our fellow human beings. <laughs> Not even verbally. All right? It's not a sword in our mouths to kind of do people damage. that's not. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, nor can we use it to actually bring actual harm to Satan and demons, who, by the way, in this passage is pictured as firing arrows, so he's not sort of standing next to you. In this continuing warfare, we at times overcome, yes, yes. we defeat the enemy in particular struggles, but we do not destroy him. That's for the Lord Jesus alone to do at the end of the age. The repeated instruction of Scripture in this passage isn't even fight, it's stand. It's defensive. So what is it then that we strike and cut through? Well, let's come back to that much misunderstood passage in 2 Corinthians. Though we live in the body, flesh, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Let me translate that more literally, without the spirit. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, they're not what the world has on offer, but our weapons are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. And then Paul goes on. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And we're ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience has been confirmed strongholds are not up there out there they're in here because the word strongholds is then explained by Paul as arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and demolishing strongholds he then explains is taking every thought captive to obey Christ the battle is in our minds and in the mind of people at large. The sword of the Spirit strikes down thoughts, philosophies, deceptions, and accusations that would personally rob us of our joy, peace, and hope in the Lord. But then we also contend with the sword of the Spirit for right thinking in the world, whether people are preaching what's right, saying what is true, what has sense, because we're guided by God's Word. We fight for truth and faith for ourselves and in the public sphere. So here's the thing I put up on the newsletter. I like this. Carol likes this too. Satan's target is your mind. His weapon is lies. Your defense is God's Word. The thing you fight back with is God's Word. Then in Hebrews we have a parallel statement about The word of God being like a sword. The word of God is living and effective and sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrows. That's that's pretty kind of gruesome, isn't it? You know, it cleaves through, so the marrow is cut out of your bone. I mean, like whoa! It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter. The word of God comes like a sword and opens up the way you are and the way you think and examines it. Now, who, who is it who opens you up and examines things? A surgeon, particularly. A surgeon. A surgeon, a surgeon doesn't cut you, up, cut you open because he's, he's, he feels like having a poke around. He's going in there to remove something which is diseased, And harmful to you so that your life is improved, preserved. The word of God is like a sword that cuts us open so we can be dealt with. That harmful things can be removed from us. See, we can put on an external show of being righteous and a Christian. Attending to things that other people may may see. And observe you know we can put on a show for other people but god sees to the very core of our being the thoughts and imaginations and intents not just what we do or have done but what we are considering god sees it so david uses this language in some of his psalms his prayers lord search me know me show me what's what's wrong show me my hidden sins so that I can be cleansed by you. Right? It's powerful language, isn't it? Inviting the Holy Spirit to come and open us up. And thinking about our public testimony to the truth earlier on in 2 Corinthians, jumping back there a minute. Oh, sorry, I should have finished the scripture. No creature is hidden from him, nothing in creation is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's nothing hidden from God. You can fool all the people if you want, but you can't fool God. Nothing is hidden. Jumping back in 2 Corinthians, Paul says about his life, his work, he says, we're God's servants, we commend ourselves in everything, by the message of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness on the right hand and the left. What weapons were those? Paul was just... Uh, preaching, teaching, and living the gospel of Jesus. That, that was the weapon. The truth. Preached it, taught it, lived it. See, let's get this imagery right. Sword of the Spirit. So, you know, you think of the, the soldier with a sword in his hand. doesn't mean the Bible in her hand. Right? Carrying it around, you know. Take my Bible to church on a Sunday. Bible black suit. I'll stop being Welsh now. Um, Or even on your bookshelf. The sword of the Spirit is not the fact that you've got a Bible at home. The move from picture to reality is this. Sword in hand, picture, equals word of God in our mouth. what we are confessing of God's truth, Scripture. William Hendricks in his commentary goes so far as to say we should add the word spoken. So understand this. The sword of the Spirit is the spoken word of God. You think you're going too far here? Well, how did Jesus overcome the devil in the wilderness? Jesus, the true Israel in the wilderness, being tempted as Israel was, but succeeding where they failed. And the three issues were the world, the flesh, and the devil, and appealing to his appetites. So the enemies were being dealt with there by Jesus. You'll just read it this week in Matthew 4, won't you? Yeah. Jesus overcame the devil's twisting scripture by plain scripture. Yeah. And he actually used Deuteronomy, which is where you know, he's, the imager is there. He's in the wilderness dealing with the devil. God says, the Word of God says, Scripture. Jesus didn't think, what can I prophesy here? What can I decree and declare? He quoted Scripture. That is the sort of Spirit. Jesus was showing us how we do it, by the way, as well as being the, 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 the forerunner, succeeding on our behalf there. He was also showing us how we do it. Using Scripture to defeat the accusations and deceptions. The slow of Satan was stopped by the flash of the sword of Spirit, the word of the Lord in the mouth of Jesus. So the prophecy was fulfilled uh, from Isaiah. He made my words like a sharp sword. Now, they were his words, because but he was using God's words. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. The sword of the Spirit is His word, not just our words. Not just us having a go at putting something together that sounds good. We actually use Scripture to overcome. Now, prophecy is good, but a word of prophecy from somebody in in the way that we prophesy in the New Testament times, the Holy Spirit inspires us to bring a word to somebody, it's good but that is not the sword of the spirit the sword of the spirit is scripture it's the word of god it was a privilege of the ultimate and prophets that god put his words in their mouth they spoke as moved by the spirit that level of inspiration was such that comes to us a scripture where our prophesying does not have that level of inspiration scripture says 1 corinthians 14 we know in part and we prophesy in part there is no Every prophecy that we utter to one another today has some mixture in it, all right? Some of it, we get, we get into it a bit. We, we add our thoughts. There's a bit of kind of blessed thinking in it rather than you know, happy thinking about it as well. And our prophesying needs to be tested by scripture and experience. See, someone may prophesy something. If it doesn't happen, they were wrong. Simple as that. We need to be big enough to say we don't get it right all the time. No prophet always gets it right because we prophesy in part. It's not as inspired as Scripture is. Let me give you another thing as well. There's a great uh, sermon on this by... Oh, I've forgotten his name. Now. Tony Evans, I think his name is. American preacher. His words and our words. I'll come back to it in a minute. His words and our words. Be careful not to put your words in his mouth. And, and the, the preacher who's seedy I'm remembering says, you know, his little daughter came to him and said, Mrs. So-and-so just died. He said, yes, she did. So, yes, yes, she's gone to be with the Lord. You said she wasn't going to die. She was going to live. Daddy, you declared it to the church. And he... Out of that came the sermon. His words in our mouth, not our words in his mouth. You can't can't utter something and make him responsible for it happening. You need to know he said it. Where's the most accurate place to find the word of God? Scripture. Test it by Scripture. We may prophesy or declare all sorts of things, but only his word will stand the test. His word doesn't fail, but our words can and do. We prophesy in part. We're to weigh prophecies, test them, and hold on to what is good. But the prophesying of whoever, man of God, you know, man of the Spirit, is not the sword of the Spirit. To be effective in warfare, we need to get back to using Scripture itself. Don't add to it or take away from it. And by the way, the word of our testimony, you know, we we often quote Revelation 12, He says, and they overcame by the blood of them and the word of their testimony. Uh, Now, that's not actually telling your story there. Because the longer version of testimony in Revelation, everywhere else, comparing Scripture to Scripture, is the testimony of Jesus. You, know, you can tell your story to people, that's fine. But you know the, what changes lives is his story, not your story. It's the gospel. It's the word of God. So um, his story has the power to save. The gospel has the power to save. We tell our story so we, people understand we're human and we've been through, we've been there and we know what, you know, we've got some past and history. But, but, you know, don't imagine your story will get someone to salvation. They need to hear about Jesus. It's the testament of Jesus. Then we need his word in our mouth, but mixed with faith and obedience. There's no point in saying something when you don't believe it. Mere words don't have power in themselves. The Bible is not magic. I'll just, I'll just read this out loud, and there you go. Oh, I've said it, and it's got to happen. You know? No, there's faith, conviction, belief. It's coming from your heart. Let me say, even from your guts, you believe this to be so. Jesus didn't just quote scripture to Satan. He, he kind of stood on it. This is what I'm living on. This is what I'm standing on, and I'm not being moved from it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying no to you because this is true. Yeah? That's conviction. That's faith. When we speak God's word, we believe and are acting upon. That's where the authority of God flows. We speak his word with faith in submission to his authority. We're not making it our word. It's still his word. But we're submitted to him. Let me remind you again of James four, sixty-seven. God resists proud people, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. And when you are submitted to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say, you're going to to have to put your fists up and have a long, long, hard fight with him. No, no, no. You submit to God, and then you say, go away. No, 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 I'm not having that. Because you are submitted in faith and obedience to God. Jesus spoke the words of Scripture, trusting and obeying the Father, committing himself to God. He did it in the wilderness. He did it again and again until with his last breath on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. By the way, even then he was quoting Scripture, Psalm 31 verse 5. God's word must live in our hearts so that we live by his word. You know, I've been reading William Gurnall on this whole subject of Christian warfare. If you lift up, and he's talking about the sword of the spirit in victory, if you are to lift up, sorry, the sword of the spirit in victory against this dangerous enemy, you must first give yourself completely to the leading of the spirit in God's word. In other words, don't imagine saying it Without you obeying it, is going to, is going to. It's not a trick. It's not magic. Faith and obedience are where the word takes hold of you. You then have authority to deal with it. So, take up your Bible. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Charles Spurgeon once said, for some of you, there's as much dust on your Bibles that you could write condemnation on it. Take up the Bible. Read it through. We offer you a Bible plan through the year to help you to do that. Have a book or some note paper. Note down what impacts you. Something hits you, impresses you. It's the Lord catching your attention. Write it down. Think about that the rest of the day. Meditate on what you've read. Believe what it teaches you. Obey what it directs you to do. You can't separate faith and obedience. Romans starts beginning and end with a statement about the obedience of faith. It's the lifestyle that we enter into, obeying God through his word. Obedience of faith. And if you don't already have a daily routine of receiving God's word, whether through Reading or listening to Scripture as a matter of habit or discipline, you need to do it. On the back page of today's notes is a graphic: 30 minutes, and it shows how so many people. I'm American. So many people quite happily spend 30 minutes and far more doing this, 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 and this, and this, and this in their day. You know. And by the way, if you've got a smartphone now, it tells you how many out what your average time on the phone was last week. You know, <laughs> Tell me this morning. Yeah. Um, Just half an hour of reading a day. Guess how much of the Bible you could read through if you read half an hour a day at average reading pace. How far through the Bible would you get in a year? You can look at page 8 if you like. If you read through half an hour a day, you would read the Bible in under six months. It wouldn't take you a year. Just reading... But I'm, I'm encouraging you not just to read. In fact, we give you a Bible plan that slows it down. And it gives you 25 days of a month of reading so you can skip Sundays. <laughs> um, because I want you to get hold of the truth, not just read it through. Relying on listening to preachers or reading someone's study notes is not enough, you know. Again, Gurnall says this, the sword of the Spirit in another's hand will not defend you. The preacher says, no, you need to know what God's word says and then be speaking what you know is God's word on the matter. And specifically to deal with with what hits you in life from the world, the flesh and the devil at particular moments through your day. No, 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 because I know what God says about that. That's exactly what Jesus did. And with our modern technologies, of course, you don't need to carry one of these around all day, do you? You can read Scripture on screen. You can listen to it being read aloud. <laughs> scripture is more easily available to this generation than to any previous generation. With more versions and whatever else. Yet by comparison, we generally today are less biblically literate than earlier generations. We know our Bibles less well. Therefore, when some charlatan, charismatic preacher appears on TV screen, some people don't, can't figure it out. They think, well, I'm not sure. I don't know about that. What did he say? Whereas if you're versed in Scripture, you go, no, 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 no. No, 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 no he's, he's off there. See, when you know the authentic, the inauthentic just has a bad smell. It just, I smell smoke. Something wrong with this. Take up scripture so that you know the truth. You need to know the truth. JC Ra says, Let us strive every year we live to become more deeply acquainted with scripture. Um, I like this graphic. My weapon of choice. Take up the scriptures so that when you're embattled, when you're under attack, you can resist with the sword of the Spirit by quoting, using Scripture. And let it... I'm serious now. Let it come out of your mouth. No, the Bible says. The Word of God says. Let it come out of your mouth because there's something... Thinking something and saying something, there's a change. You process it out. Now... I'm not one of those people who says you can have whatever you say, you can make a confession about getting a new BMW this week and it's going to happen. IJN or IMJN or JMN. Uh, (laughs) uh, That one? Anyway, that's being foolish. But when you are resisting and standing firm in faith and seeking to overcome in a trial of life, you need to confess what you know is true. God's word. And you do need to say it out loud. So you hear yourself saying it out loud. John Piper says, if you want to hear the voice of God, read the Bible out loud. It has impact. Now, you say, well, I've done this to the devil. Well, you haven't done much to the devil. But you've done something for yourself by affirming your stand upon God's truth. Spoken from a believing and submitted heart. We need the sword of spirit to deal with temptations to sin so we overcome the tempter. We overcome the appetite. We overcome the pressure from the world. We need the sword of spirit to overcome condemnation, defeating the lies and accusations of the the enemy. And by the way, yes... You did do all those things when, before you became a Christian, and, and, and yes, that was all. Whatever he we says about you is true. But you are now saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. You have been washed. You are cleansed. So don't tell me what I did when I was eighteen years of old, eighteen years of age, or whatever else, because yes, I admit it. But God has forgiven me and cleansed me from those things. Hallelujah! All right. God has buried our sins. Don't go digging for them again. The devil will, he'll come and parade them, the rotting corpses of your past life. It's a strange expression, isn't it? But you're dead to those things. Because you died with Christ and you're risen again to a new new life in him. And the sword of spirit. I need to think about it in this way as well. Every one of us from time to time are dealing with hardships with trials, with afflictions. You say, well, we just overcome them. We tell them to go away. Well, I wish life was as easy as just telling your problems to go away. What you need to deal with particularly is how they are affecting you in your heart, in your soul. Therefore, we, we are fighting against despair and doubt and despondency. And it's a fight. The way I'm thinking right now, the way I'm feeling right now, is something that needs to be fought. It needs it, 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 it needs to it needs to be tussled with. And you I, I could have read on in Psalms today, you know. David again, why are you cast down my soul? Why are you disquieting me? Hope in God. He's lecturing himself. He's preaching the truth to himself. God is my helper, God is my refuge, God is my rock. I will not be afraid. Read it in Psalm 27. Yes? We need to use God's word, the sword of the spirit, to tussle with and to come back against despair, and despondency. and let me, let me put another D word there, and I don't want to make it hard for anybody, but depression. Do we, do we, do we simply say, oh, this is what it is, I'll just put up with it? Or do we say, no, 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 I need to, there's a fight back. There's a fight back that needs to happen. And the fight back is not what I say about it. It's what God says that I'm going to confess and believe and stand upon just as Jesus stood upon the truth and say, I'm not accepting this. And I'm going to, I'm going to battle through this. And thank God for Carmelo and her words this morning at the beginning of the meeting. on that. Right? There's a, there's, even when I see a struggle coming, God is going to be with me through the struggle. Yeah? He takes us even through the valley of the shadow of death. The stuff we go through, but we come through because that's his promise. When you're in the water, it won't overflow you. Flow you. When you're in the fire, it won't burn you. You're going to go through some, some things, but God will bring us through them. That's his promise. So we believe his word and we stand upon his word. It's the sword of the spirit. But the sword of the spirit needs to deal with us and we need to use it then to deal with life. We're engaged in a warfare against us, a battle in and for our minds, our souls. And whatever assails us, we need the same armor of God in every situation. I'm going to paraphrase them now, not quote them to you. With the truth of the gospel holding us firm like a belt around our waist. And the righteousness of Jesus defending us like armor on our chests. And our feet holding firm to the ground of God's grace and God's peace. And faith like a shield defending us against all the accusations and attacks of the enemy. And the hope of God's salvation like a helmet on our heads defending our minds. And with God's word in our mouths striking down whatever comes against us and assails us. Stand And taking captive every thought that raises itself against the knowledge of God and obedience to Jesus. Notice that again. Every thought that leads us away from obedience to Jesus. Stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty strength. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. The word of our testament, the word in our mouth being the word of God. Not making our words his words, not trying to put something on him that he didn't say. But we know what he said, and we speak it with confidence and with assurance, and we stand on it and we act upon it. This is how we overcome. I was thinking yesterday about some of the old songs we used to sing. I know if some of them are embarrassing. Back when I was a young man and before I'd met Carol in East Ham, for Gospel Hall, Assembly of God Church, one of the songs we used to sing then was had the chorus, with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, we'll march right on to the victory side, right into Canaan's land. I was thinking about it saying, what on earth are we talking about? Yeah? What? what, what, what do you, what's that mean? You know. You see, I understand that kind of triumphalistic kind of thought. Do you understand I'm saying to you that our battle is real life It's today not even tomorrow I know tomorrow's Monday but today you are being attacked in some ways, you're under pressure in some ways you're being assailed in some ways you, you know those enemies there's enough of them aren't there? Yes. there's something going on. How are we dealing with the pressures and the assail of life with all the armour of God? But today I'm concentrating on the sword of Spirit. We are answering back. We're fighting back one weapon. Only one, well there's two, one's prayer, but we'll come back. But the one weapon we're talking about today is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're applying Scripture to the situation. Answering back with what we know to be true from God's Word. Therefore I say to you, make the Psalms your prayer book, your song book. But don't be afraid to pray these kind of prayers, gutsy prayers, honest prayers. Prayers in which you, you lecture yourself even for the way for you, need to, you need to deal with the way you're feeling and thinking. This is how we overcome. By the blood of the Lamb who died for us, by his great sacrifice, by the new covenant, which is sealed to us by his blood. When he talks about the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, there's so much wrapped up in that statement. Every good thing that comes from God comes from because Christ paid for it on the cross. The atonement, the making of oneness, of reconciliation between us and God was done by Jesus, not by you or I raising a hand and making a decision or anything else. We don't reconcile ourselves to God. Christ has reconciled us to God. So the atonement, the reconciliation is all made by him. But then as we declare from our hearts with conviction the things we know to be true, this is how we progress. This is how we take our stand. This is how we stand firm. Even in the most difficult circumstances, the most ferocious attack, what Paul there calls the day of evil, the evil day. Thank God not every day is like that, but some are. We stand firm, holding on to God's Word. And the Holy Spirit, if you will read Scripture and memorize Scripture and and think on Scripture day by day by day by day, when you need to remember God's Word, it's in there somewhere. And the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what you've already heard and read. And you think, where did I get that from? Well, it went in somewhere. It went in somewhere. This is how we overcome. It's not actually by having a good stomp and a good shout and even a good sing. Unless what we're singing is Scripture or close enough to s- Scripture that we can say those things with, with, with faith. And uh, we need to tune about lyrics sometimes then. The Armour of God. This is a whole series we're getting towards the end of now. And I can't go back over all the rest of it. But they're there. there. There are notes outside. There are CDs outside. If you're missing anything in the series, let me know and I'll get it to you. If you want to access all of them, I can give you a link to a place where I store all of these in a series on the internet. And you're welcome to go there and raid and download whatever you want. Okay? Just ask me for it. It's on a, it's on a box account. And... Uh It it shouldn't surprise us that we are in a battle. Jesus told us we would be. But here is how we deal with it. Here is how, battle by battle, day by day, hour by hour, we can overcome. We can still be standing. God's word plays an enormous part in that. Let's pray together. Tell us, Lord, in 1 John that the one who is born of God overcomes the world. And we pray that we might deal with some uh, focus and some uh, even aggression. We might deal more rigorously with our enemies, those internal, those external. Not with people, flesh and blood around us, but with what the world is trying to throw at us and its philosophies and its advertising and its values and what's thrown at us by the devil every day. Thoughts, doubtful thoughts, despairing thoughts, accusations, remembrances of past life, past sins. We come to you, Father, and say, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds. Help us to acknowledge, Lord, that we need to take up your armour and take up a defensive stance so that we stand and we're not overcome by these things. Thank you that your word is so powerful. One scripture can defeat hours of arguments, days of pressure, one word from you. So we live, as Jesus said, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I pray that we will have a hunger in our hearts to find more of your help through your word, accessing it in whatever way we can, whatever way works best for us, reading, listening, so that we are soaked in truth and we live and walk by your truth, which is, as we heard earlier, a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. Your word, Lord, He's able to bring us the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of salvation. Thank you that you can deliver us from our past. You can forgive us for all our sins. Let me just stop there for a moment and say, you may not yet be a Christian. And uh, you could spend a long time talking to me about some of the things you've done in life and why they should... God should never forgive you for them. And I tell you, to stop there. God can forgive you for all you've ever done. All you have to do is trust in ask Jesus. He cleanses those who come to him and gives them a new start. Amen. Past is the past. It's a memory. But your past need not be the way you continue to live. Because Christ came to save his people from their past, from their sins, from all of their wrongs. And give them a new life. He's the Savior. You've just got to ask Him. Maybe you'd like to pray a prayer right now that asks Him into your life, into your inner person to come and change you, to come and cleanse you, to come and bring you more understanding of what it is to be a Christian and to know Him and follow Him. Just ask Him right now. And if you've prayed that prayer, talk to somebody. Somebody you think might be a Christian with some clue to talk to to help you. Find someone that you see around the place. Say, hey, I, I want to tell you I prayed a prayer this morning. We'd be glad to talk to you about that. For all of us, Lord, we pray, strengthen us by your word. May we have hearts that not only that do not fear being opened up and times of, of examination and cleansing. But like David, we even dare to ask them from time to time so that we walk straight and right. Father in heaven, we bless you that you've entrusted your word to us. It is good for us. It's inspired. It's accurate. It's profitable. May we value it and treasure it more than we have in the past, we pray. Amen. Amen.